When I read out the question, if you're like, this doesn't relate to me, so you later, I urge you to listen anyway because, and I say this to my clients all the time, you want to be listening for the code. The context is so irrelevant. So the context that we're going to be talking about today is homesickness. And you might be like, well, I'm not homesick. So this, this has got nothing to do with me. But what we're going to talk about in, in the context of homesickness, I promise you, is going to be relevant to you. Hi, and welcome to the Unashamedly Human podcast, where we explore how we can better understand our thoughts, feelings and actions, change our results and feel less alone as we navigate this crazy little thing called life. My name is Emily Chadbourne, and I recorded this episode live in my free Facebook group, Unashamedly Human with Emily Chadbourne. If you're not a member yet, head to the show notes to join this global community and you'll be able to join me live next week as I record the next episode of Unashamedly Human, the podcast. Make sure you follow me on Instagram too, Unashamedly Emily, and enjoy this episode. Dear Em, I'm not sure if this is really a question, but I was wondering how you're doing with homesickness. I've heard you speak about missing England during COVID a lot. And while my family are all in Australia, not seeing them much this last year has been really tough on me. So my initial response to this question was, oh, I don't really know if that's not podcast worthy. It's not that any question is worthy of a podcast episode and some aren't. It's just, I was a bit like, oh, I don't really know how I'd unpack it. And then yesterday morning, I woke up and for some very odd reason, and I never, ever, ever do this. I don't even sleep with my phone in my room. But for whatever reason, yesterday morning, I don't know, my thumb just ended up on the Instagram icon and the app opened. And everywhere was this screenshot of various publications here in Australia with the headline, no overseas travel until 2022 in Australia. And every bit of nostalgia and homesickness and sadness and fear and anxiety around being on the other side of the planet from all of my family during a global pandemic and not being able to get back to them came up. And I picked up my phone and I WhatsApped the WhatsApp group that I have with my sisters and I just made noises into that group. (laughs) I believe there might have been a couple of words that didn't really string together to make a sentence. And then that was what my sisters received from me. And I spoke to both of them later on that morning and kind of overwhelmingly, they had both sort of said the same thing, which is, you know, of course, this is how you feel. Like the validation of, yes, of course, this is how you feel. This should be how you feel. And I think as a grown up, sometimes I feel like I shouldn't have certain feelings. And if you're watching this on Instagram, Unashamedly Emily, then throw me some love hearts. And the same, actually, if you're watching this in my free Facebook group, Unashamedly Human with Emily Chadbourne, like, let me know if this resonates with you. Sometimes as a grown up, I feel like I shouldn't have that problem. I shouldn't have that thought. I shouldn't have that feeling. Like I'm a 39 year old woman. What am I doing being homesick? Isn't homesick something that happens to six year olds on their first sleepover? Like who do I think I am? And so to have that kind of level of validation 
from my sisters in itself was so comforting. And I think we miss this in our society. It's a massive gap that I see in our society at the moment. We do it with grief. We do it with redundancy. We do it with divorce. We do it with miscarriage. These really big human emotions. And we don't share them well. We don't talk about them openly enough. I think the tide is changing and social media has actually got a lot to do with that, I think. One of the positive things about social media is that these conversations are being more open now because we tend to be a bit more like, let me share the back end of my life, right? Behind the closed doors. But in the West here for so many years, we've been very um, private in our grief private in our mental health issues, private in those hard times. I was speaking to a friend yesterday and we were talking about the grief of a breakup. And she was saying how, you know, grief, whether it be the parting of two people or the, or the parting of anything is grief, right? The, the, this thing used to be in my ex- experience or my existence and now it is not, whether that's a person, whether it's a relationship, whether it's a job, those things used to be ritualized. They used to be sacred. They used to be a, a reason for, for transformation. The group, the tribe would come together and you would express your grief and it would be accepted and understood and validated by the tribe. And it would be seen as this sort of pathway, this doorway for you to transcend and evolve as a human being. It was like an initiation, an emotional initiation. And it had vidility, vidality? Is that a word? Am I just making stuff up now? You know the word. If it's a word, you know the word. And if it's not a word, here's a new word. Vidility. Anyway, it was valid. Your feeling was, was valid. It was validated. And we miss that. That's a massive step that we are missing here. And it's one of the reasons I think that AA works so brilliantly because never before have I felt more understood than sitting in an AA room and taking my worst bits of me, the bits that I was ashamed of, the bits that I was embarrassed about, the things that I saw as weakness, and to hear somebody else have that same experience, different context maybe, but the code is the same. The feeling is the same. And to hear and see someone stand in that story, speak my story on their lips was so validating and made me feel so less alone in my struggle. And so I think the very act of having my sisters just validate how I was feeling was so cathartic and so therapeutic And I think we need to create purposefully, consciously create more community to be able to have those sorts of conversations. And that's not to say that we're all going to come together and be like, me, 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 and like condense our woes. It's not about, you know, a competition of who has the most sadness. It's not nothing to do with that. It's a sacred circle space where you say the words, this is how I feel. And somebody else goes, I get it. And that's it. That's enough for you to not feel alone. Then I kind of went through a series of other emotions and conversations 
on the back of that validation from my sisters. And I think they're worth sharing with you as well. So again, if you are feeling homesick at the moment and you are away from your loved ones, then this will be really relevant contextually. And if you're not, then hopefully this will be really relevant in terms of like the code of human conditioning. I then went after, after I'd spoken to both my sisters, felt better, but also kind of gave myself permission to be really in grief gave myself permission to feel how I was feeling without feeling ashamed of how I was feeling because if you want to amplify a feeling especially when it's one that we consider to be hard then you just add some shame onto it shame is the quickest way to amplify a negative what we consider to be a negative feeling now I actually don't really like the terminology of positive and negative I just think feelings are feelings some of them are harder to process than others some of them are socially more socially acceptable for some fucked up reason than others but you know I don't think there's a good or a bad feeling some are harder to have for sure Um, and when we add shame to those ones that are harder to have we withdraw into ourselves and then they're even harder to process because we begin to then interpret our feeling as oh my god there must be something wrong with me right I've got anxiety that there's, there's something wrong with that there's not it's a normal human emotion you learn how to live with it instead of trying always to resist it and you may very well find that it abates or, or, or it's more transcendable for you so then I just allowed myself to feel some real grief. I finished, I'm in the middle of a five day free course at the moment. So I finished that and, you know, did everything that I needed to do sort of professionally for myself. And then I sat on the floor and I cried and I cried because, you know, if I don't get home until 2022, my youngest niece will be eight and I won't have seen her for two and a half years. That's over a quarter of her life that she won't have had any physical contact with me. And that, breaks my heart breaks my heart that I wasn't there for birthdays and Christmas breaks my heart that they're going to go on a family holiday in August and I'm not going to get to be there breaks my heart makes me sad and so I allowed myself to have that emotion like really heaving snot flying what mascara emotion of sadness and in that came quite a lot of grief for my mum who passed three and a half years ago and missing her as well and all of that came up because emotions don't emotions travel in packs right the emotions are herd animals so you have one emotion and it probably sparks a whole other lot of emotions around it and so quite a lot of stuff came up for me yesterday morning and it was expressed in tears then I screamed for a little bit I did a little bit of journaling I kind of lay down in the fetal position and just concentrated on my breathing for a while And I allowed these feelings to come because I knew that the more I resisted them, the bigger and darker and more shameful and more angry they would get. And I had to just be in them. I had to give myself permission to have them. If like me, you love reading cool stuff, listening to interesting interviews and hearing funny, quirky stories that feel really relatable, then sign up for my famous Friday emails. They're jam-packed with awesomeness. And if you sign up and you're not into it, you can always unsubscribe. Link in the show notes, and I look forward to being in your inbox on Friday. It's Friday! Then I came back, and gratitude wasn't working, by the way, because gratitude's my default. It's like, what's my, what have I got to be grateful for? And I was like, nothing, I miss my family. Like, and sometimes that's okay. Like, it was not the time. You know, gratitude isn't always an appropriate tool. It's a great tool, and a lot of the time it really works. But in this particular context, at this particular time, it just wasn't the right tool for me. So I just sat in this emotion. 
And then I remembered something that my sisters had both said, which is, this is just sensationalized media crap. Like, this headline is founded on nothing. There is no science here. It's a, it's a, it was a castaway comment from one person that has been sold for headline space. This is a money-making headline, and it has no actual validity. There's that word again that I'm not sure is a word. That has, you know, there's no real evidence to this. It's a, you know, it's a prediction of the future, which means nothing. So much can change in a year. We don't know what the vaccines are going to do. We don't know what the virus is going to do. And so to 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 take one media-spun propaganda headline and to assume that as truth is actually a really dangerous thing to do because then what you're doing is you're opening up your mind to the catastrophization of imagination. Well, I'm never going to get home now, am I? I'm never, ever, ever going to get home. My dad's going to die and I'm not going to be there. Or my nieces and nephews are never going to have a relationship with me now. It's really easy to jump to the worst case scenario because your imagination has all sorts of possibilities and the fundamental function of our brain is to assume danger in any given situation so that we can be prepared so that we can stay alive so when i see a headline which is not based in truth not based in any kind of reality it's it's a prediction there could have been that headline could have read a million and one other predictions hopefully air travel will be resuming in four months could have been the headline but it's not going to sell as much is it so I take this headline, I accept it as truth. I then allow my imagination to catastrophize and run away with all of these other situations, which is going to just feeding on my fear, which now creates, a because my subconscious doesn't know what's real and what's real. So when I tell myself, oh, you know, that's it, I'm never going to get home, never going to see my family again. And when I do, my nieces and nephews won't want anything to do with me because they haven't seen me for two and a half years. Like when I believe that, when I say that to myself, I believe it. And so I then have a visceral biochemical response to it, which makes my body believe it as well. So now it actually becomes part of my reality. And you can translate this to any area of your life. You can translate this into your working life. My boss has called a meeting. I must be about to get fired. Therefore, I now live, I've created a physical reality for myself where that is true in some, in some way. My experience of it is the truth. It might not even happen. We do it with all sorts of things in life. We assume the worst case scenario and then we live out that worst case scenario in our mind, which has an effect on our bodies. And we wonder why we feel stressed, why we feel anxious. So here I, here I was yesterday morning doing that. I believed a headline. I believed a non-truth and I took it as solid truth. I didn't question it because all of my fear responses were triggered by it. And so now I'm living in this made up fantasy world where I never see my family again. And when I do see my family, it's going to be too late. My dad's going to die. My nieces and nephews aren't going to know who I am and my sisters are going to be bored of me. It began to trigger all of my insecurities you're not going to be loved. You're not going to be secure. You, you, you don't have your tribe. None of this is truth. But I believed it in the moment. I'd created a world where it was my truth in that moment. So I invite you today to think about what non-truths you believe and live in and therefore experience viscerally in your body. And if you had your 
the tools available to you or if you had the time or gave yourself the space to take a step back and go, is that true? Is that actually true? And to, to bring your imagination back from that catastrophization, how would that feel on your day-to-day -day experience? So after my big and my kind of like emptying of all of my triggers and emotions onto the floor, I began to apply a little bit more logic to the situation. And I think the thing that I then spoke to my sister about later on that day, that evening, yesterday evening, uh, I spoke to one of my sisters again, because she called just to see how my day had been. And we had this really interesting conversation about like, actually, I can't change it. Number one, unlikely to be true because it's a sensationalized media headline and number two we don't know we've got no idea we can't predict the future in that way and number three even if it does end up being true I can't change it and there is such power in recognizing what you can and cannot change in this life move towards the things that you can change and surrender in front of the things that you can't because at any given moment, we all have a choice. I can choose to resist what is happening in front of me when I cannot change it and live in the pain of that resistance. Or I can look at it and go, I can't change you. And by trying to control the uncontrollable, I'm no safer. I just put myself into a state of anxiety trying to change the unchangeable because we think if we can just change it, we will be safe, has the opposite effect. It just makes us anxious. Can you change it? No, I can't change what the government are going to do about international travel in the middle of a global pandemic. I just have to accept it. And the moment I soften that resistance, the moment I go, I have to put this down as a struggle because it, 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 I will only struggle more as I struggle with it. So the moment that I put down and surrendered it, I instantly felt a little bit better. And then it was actually something that my sister said, she was like, isn't it annoying when, when life doesn't go the way that you think it should go? And we kind of had a giggle about it. And it's so true, isn't it? It's like, life isn't doing exactly what I think it should be doing so that I can be happy. So now I can't be happy. And we deny ourselves happiness so often in our day-to-day -day lives because the exact conditions aren't the way that we think they should be how much happier could we be in life if we put down these really strict conditions and expectations on what needs to happen so that i can be happy i can only be happy if i will only have a great wedding if the sun shines you're just setting yourself up not to have a great wedding because the sun might not shine I can only be happy in my job if. And sometimes those conditions are really important. Boundaries are really important. Knowing what we will and will not tolerate is really important. But a lot of the time, we are expecting so much from a world that contains 7.7 .7 billion people in a universe where we have no power and control over the weather, over other people, over global pandemics no control and yet we say I can only be happy if and then we wonder why we're not happy 
I can only be happy if I can travel to the UK whenever I want to. And now I can't. So now I can't be happy. So learning to surrender what you can't control. It's hard. I'm not going to lie about it. But it's very empowering. And the other thing I think I recognized in that moment is like how much secondary suffering am I putting on myself by sitting in this anxiety under the delusion of needing to control something that I can't control and what I mean by secondary suffering is you know I can I can say okay this thing has happened which means that I am no longer physically able to see my family how I react to that truth will determine the next layer of my experience of this manifestation So I can now decide that because I can't see my family, I can't be happy. I'm going to have a full, full temper tantrum about it. And I am now going to prove my victimhood to the world by not being happy, by being angry all day, by being distant, by isolating myself even more. I need to prove a point that if I can't be happy with, you know, international travel, then I can't be happy at all. So then I create these extra layers of secondary suffering for myself. I then become the self-fulfilling prophecy of my fear, which is isolation. So learning how to react and actually respond. So reaction is, this isn't going my way. I'm going to have a tantrum about it. Therefore, I'm going to create even more angst, even more anger, even more anxiety, even more isolation, even more victimhood. Or you choose to respond, which is, this isn't going my way, so I'm going to surrender it. I can't do anything about it. So what do I have? What can I have? How can I connect? And I'm going to choose that manifestation instead. Would you like daily text messages of support, positivity and love sent personally from me straight to your phone? Then sign up for Wake Up With Em. It's the affirmation service you didn't know you needed. The first month is free if you follow the link in the show notes. Good morning. The next thing that I want to talk about is the tension of opposites as truth. So what I mean by this, and again, this came out of a conversation I had with one of my sisters, which was like, would you now choose to come home permanently? And my answer was no. (laughs) I still choose to live in Australia. I want to be able to come home and see my family for two or three weeks a couple of times a year, but I still choose to live in Australia. And I think we forget the power of the paradox, the power of having two truths seemingly opposite from each other still work in tandem with each other. So in this particular case, I'm allowed to be desperately homesick and still want to stay living in Australia, even though those two truths seem to be opposite from each other. I want to go home, but I want to stay here. And the tension between those two truths creates a paradox. And that paradox can be kind of strange to live in sometimes. But actually, the more that we kind of bring comprehension to this idea that two opposing truths can be true at the same time, we begin to live in a much more expansive and much more compassionate state of being. I'm allowed to be desperately homesick, but still choose to live in Australia. I can be saddened by my choice and still be strong in it. 
And this is something that I'm beginning to see more and more as a quality of really great leadership is to understand the power of that paradox, to understand that one thing can be true and the opposite thing can be true. And those two truths can coexist at the same time. And we still have to make decisions inside of that paradox, despite that paradox. You know, it can be true that our international borders need to be protected, but it is also true that we have a global duty to ensuring the safety of global citizens, not just our national citizens. Those two truths work in tandem with each other, even though they kind of polarize each other in a weird way. So although I am allowed to be in grief that I can't get home to see my family, I am also allowed to be in the certainty that I still want to stay living in Australia. Global pandemic or not, I choose Australia to be my home and it's my choice to be here but I'm still allowed to be sad that I can't get back to England to see my family. It's like breaking up with someone. You know, you're allowed to break up with someone and still be desperately sad that that relationship is over, but still know that that relationship wasn't right for you. It doesn't negate the grief that you feel. Money is the provider of so many wonderful, radical, life-saving, abundant giving things. But money is also the source of many evils. And those two truths operate in the same paradox at the same time. I think I'm really softening into that as a truth of life. Is that very few things have absolute truth to them. In most cases, there are opposing truths that make up the whole. And we live in that existence of polarity. We live in a world that is, in its scientific basis, a world of polarity we have night and day we have hot and cold we have up and down we have positive and negative one cannot exist without the other and I think in so many cases that is also the same with truth we have opposite truths that make up a story nothing is one story nothing is that one-dimensional everything is layered you can have really 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 good people who do really bad things you can have someone who has a completely different viewpoint to you and still see the greatness and the beauty and the awesomeness in that person. You know, a really, really dear friend of mine is an anti-vaxxer. I am 100%, 100% for vaccinations. That doesn't mean that I can't be friends with anti-vaxxers. Because two truths can exist. They can co-inhabit. In fact, they must in order for the world to be whole. I think the other thing that I am learning from my experience of homesickness is that there is so much to be learnt in suffering. And in fact, it's normally in the suffering where lessons are learnt, when your insecurities are exposed so that you can do something about them, where your thought patterns are revealed to you so that you can question them, where your truths and your opposite truths are manifesting in reality. You know, there is a lot to be learned from suffering. There is a lot of strength to be built from suffering. And there is a lot to be gained if you are willing to learn how to suffer well. And as much as I don't want to feel homesick, as much as I would rather that I could get on a plane and go and see my family, those things are not what are happening for me right now. And so I have the choice, at any given moment I have the choice, 
I either learn how to suffer well or I resist the suffering and therefore cause myself even more suffering. So that is what I have learned about homesickness. Homesickness. <laughs> um, yeah, I've learned that, you know, validation is key to being a human being. I have learned that it's very easy to create a reality that is based in catastrophization and imagination. I've learned to surrender what I cannot change and to put down the tantrum of things not going my way. I've learned that when I try and control what is not controllable, all I'm left with is anxiety. And I also know that when I pursue that level of control, I actually create more secondary suffering for myself. I kind of make the situation worse. I'm definitely learning more and more about the tension of opposites and the power of holding space for yourself and for other people inside that paradox of those opposites. And of course, suffering is the root of all learning. And that's not to say that we need to create more suffering for ourselves than is necessary. But I do think when suffering comes across us in whatever shape or form it comes, there is a great lesson if we are just willing to dig deep and really sit in the seat of self-awareness with ourselves. So I trust that has been useful. I'm just going to jump into the comments. Oh, one of my sisters is on. Hi, darling. Um, hi, Darren. Hi, Mindsetology. Hi, Rise Transformational Coaching. Hi, Golden Leo. That is so powerful to know that. You're welcome. Big emotions when it's outside of my control. Yeah, absolutely. I, I hear that. The emotions tend to get bigger the more you can't control. Our sufferings grow, our resilience, our strength, and our independence. We're not reliant on others for emotional stability. We don't stress as much. Then when some problems arise. Yeah, you know, problems always arise. You want to get to the point where you have really good quality problems instead of low quality problems. And yeah, you're right. You know, our resilience and our tenacity will dictate our results. Our ability to get back up in business, our ability to admit when we're wrong, our ability to be vulnerable enough to love wholly and deeply. Yeah, that all comes from being broken down, if you like, so that we can we can grow in that way. Yeah, I love the word resilience. Much love to you too, Tez. I'm still working on allowing myself to sit in the yucky feelings. Yeah, and of course, like naturally, when we have a yucky feeling, we're like, how do I get rid of this? And we live in a world of quick fixes. There are so many distractions. I'll pick up the phone, I'll scroll through Instagram instead. I'll pick up a bottle of wine and I'll drink my way through it instead. And I think this is why meditation has been so key for me. It's just like most of the time when I sit in meditation, I feel really uncomfortable. Um, but learning that I can survive those uncomfortable feelings, those uncomfortable emotions, that grief, that sadness, knowing that it will pass allows me to process those emotions instead of trying to bury those emotions. And when we bury those emotions, we're just pushing them down further and further into our soul instead of being free of them. Allowing someone's feelings to be valid is part of the grieving process. Amazingly said, Jade. Hi, Alex. How are you? Hi, Susie. Ritualistic. Yeah, really important. It is. I think it's really important to sit in circle. And one of the things that I know I do exceptionally well is create fantastic communities for my clients where they can sit and be their truth whatever that looks like on any given day. 
And it doesn't need to be the same truth from one day to another because of the power of the opposite of truth. Um, but yeah, it, a safe space for you to really be seen and heard. So important. Hi, Susie. I've learned loads about sharing my feelings by working with my daughter on sharing hers. And I'm getting better at it. Yeah. Don't they say our children are our greatest teachers? All right. That's enough from me for today. I trust that has been really, really useful. If you are experiencing homesickness, I hear you. I feel you. I get you. Um, but I trust whether or not you are in a state of homesickness that the fundamental code that I have spoken about today in this podcast episode has been useful for you. Go in peace love and serve yourself so that you can be at peace to love and serve the world i love you all very much thank you so much for listening and please if you've loved this podcast i'd really appreciate if you rate and review and then give it a share that's it for today's episode i trust you loved it and remember you can join me as i record these episodes live all of the details are in the show notes if you love this episode i'd really appreciate you sharing it on your socials and please tag me unashamedly emily you can also share it through Spotify. And if you're listening on iTunes, then please rate and review. It really helps other people find this valuable content. And as always, nothing beats a good bit of word of mouth. So let your mates know all about this podcast. If you're interested in joining my global coaching community, the Unashamedly Human Hub, check out the link in the show notes. See you in the next episode and keep being brave.